Calling to order the Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, July 27th, 2020. Um, let the uh, record show that the meeting started at 10 minutes after 5 p.m. <clears throat> Councilors should have an agenda in front of them. Uh, I will ask the CAO, Mr. Mr. Parker, if there are any additions. There, there are no additions, Your Worship. Are there any deletions? There is one deletion that is uh, section 14.1, uh, FOIP division exception two to disclosure 17, disclosure harmful to personal privacy. Okay. All in favor of the uh, agenda as, well, I'll, I'll uh, ask somebody to make a motion on the agenda. I'll move that. Okay, as, as uh, amended, okay. All in favor? Okay. And turning to the adoption of the last set of minutes for July the 13th, 2020, are there any corrections that need to be made there? If not, I will take a motion to adopt those minutes. Um, Deputy Mayor Manzer, all in favor? Okay. Uh, are, are there any public hearings, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Okay. Uh, we will go to presentations. We have Darren Boyer from Light Catch to uh, make a presentation, and I see that you're you're uh, you're on, Mr. Boyer. Well, that's great. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I hope. Uh, you're getting as much sunshine as we are in Grand Prairie because it's kind of a welcome change. And um, thank you. I think what I'll do is I'll share my screen uh, for maybe the best continuity, if that's all right. Sure. Okay, great. Okay, so I wanted to uh, introduce a, a service called Light Catch. If it's new to anyone, I'll be quite concise and uh, overall wanting to introduce four unique ways that could contribute uh, each one to transforming crime prevention, increasing citizen safety. And I think it has a very legitimate uh, case for reducing overall crime levels. And um, just before I, I, I go into the impact of uh, what Light Catch can do, is a is a refresh refresher of the significance of the issue. Um, Twenty three of the thirty highest crime communities in Canada are all in the West, and they definitely are linked to uh, trade routes. Probably more to the point is jurisdictional boundaries. There's a great body of evidence that they leverage leaving a community going to one at some level to reduce um, arrests, reduce trouble or activity. There's 1.2 million crimes in Canada that are property related. Um, that's extensive, uh, 6.5 million in the US just for comparison. And um, so Canada looks proportionally quite high, but even at that, you know, there's some things like bicycles 
the US, for example, only record 131,000 bicycle thefts out of 6 million um, property crimes. So there, there is a level of underreporting, even with the numbers that, that we have to work with. What we did is we approached this, uh, this problem with the, the belief that if everybody has a phone in their pocket and that, po that phone has a geolocation of where they are, they can contribute a, a trail of evidence and for the police and that information is always geotagged and probably more to the point when they do get a notice if you compare it to text-based solutions like social media or chat groups there's always a location marker uh, that's that indicates how close you are to that new notice and so our basic um, uh, Positioning is if you're close, stop and try and see if you can make a difference. If you're not close in any shape or form, you can just disable that alert and carry on with your day. Um, when everything goes well, it's 10 times faster than traditional solutions, and it can be uh, many use cases 100 times cheaper than what people are traditionally left with. Um, as I mentioned, you can take a photo. That photo is uh, posted for the community. We use an artificial intelligence filter that um, blurs a face unless there is proof of a crime that takes place. And then I'll get into that shortly, but we have an operations team that triages every input to make sure that's legal. So it's actually a human that says you can unblur a situation in our case. Um, we've had success with thefts, with vandalism, uh, missing uh, animals, suspicious actions is a great part of our user base. We get by far the most engagement when there's a clear and present danger or a missing person. That's um, use cases that get a lot of uh, spike in usage. And um, Specifically, we said 20% success is a typical use case when you use the app to post your information. We broke that down in May of 2020, where uh, those that had made an alert of a theft item had a 44% success rate in May, as long as they posted within one hour of the incident. And those that posted over 12 hours from when it actually happened, th they, they got a much lower success rate. Um, and that's intuitive. If you're asking the crowd to provide realistic, actionable uh, information for law enforcement, then the closer it is to the incident, the more their memories jogged and the more that um, they can actually action something if they're asked to contribute. So in the midst of the success, as I mentioned, we have an operations team that triages every single input on our platform and we uh, protect the identity of any, every user uh, on the platform. It's different than social media because all of our users are anonymous and only us in the background is an operations team can see that user's email. Uh, connected to that email is also um, how reliable they've been on the platform, how often they provide actionable um, information and um, if somebody is not a contributor, we can block them, we can decline them, 
we do that all the time if it's needed. What, what I've noticed is that um, when, when you have a professional level platform that everything is kept uh, very, uh, you know, a, a decent protocol, it can be very intimidating uh, to anybody with bad intentions. They might test the boundaries, but when they realize there's boundaries, that's usually the end of it. And um, it's been a, a definitely a, a reinforcing system because now as we have hundreds and thousands of users in different areas in Western Canada, that's what the community itself begins to expect in the level of engagement. And they, they can actually help us in self-reinforcing that kind of an environment. Um, so here's some use cases. And what I've done in this case is I've taken the end of the incident and the middle is a snapshot of how the app sort of worked, looks like at the end of the incident. And then on the top, I've um, given you a snapshot of what it was the community was actually assisting law enforcement with. And so I'll just run through these really quickly. Um, on June 15th, somebody tried leaving Calgary with a stolen vehicle. Um, they tried going 250 kilometers an hour and um, they tried going different directions towards Rocky Mountain House and then back up towards through Red Deer. <laughs> Somebody saw them in the city of Lacombe at number five, actually looking out their bedroom window. So they were a long ways away from the actual vehicle, but everybody that was near Lacombe instantly knew that this was a, um, a recent sighting. They saw it instantly and um, also that to stay out of harm's way. At, at point seven, they were successfully arrested. This all unfolded in like 75 minutes. And um, June 14th, there was a vehicle stolen in Calgary. Uh, it was about 5 p.m. on a Sunday. We heard about it through a recommendation and it was put on our platform about nine o'clock on Sunday night. Um, at points two, three, four, and five on this, that was a combination of people contributing on social media and people contributing on the app. And as, as those inputs came in, I would transfer them over or somebody would put them on the app. At about 11.30 at night, we lost the vehicle somewhere north of Rocky Mountain House. And that's a bit of a black hole for stolen equipment between Rocky Mountain House and Drayton Valley. So um, I put that post on point number seven about 11.30 and at 5.55 a.m., somebody on the Yellowhead Highway uh, took a photo of the vehicle and said, I'm calling the police, and it was recovered successfully that morning. So we can't say for sure the uh, suspects weren't arrested, but I, would, I think it's a long ways to travel with a very nice truck that they just stole for just a joyride. Um, my suspicion is by abandoning it at, at the uh, Yellowhead Highway like that, like they did, um, that they knew there was a lot of people watching for this truck. Because over the course of those nine hours, there were many shares on social media. There's probably uh, 10 or 12,000 people that saw this um, within those nine hours. And um, the one on the right is very similar. The guy actually stole one semi, ditched it at point number two in Saskatchewan, stole another semi, and then drove right back the same route. Um, but when they parked in Killam, Alberta, 
somebody noticed the vehicle, they noticed it was nobody was there, they called the police and it was successfully recovered, uh, probably within about two or three hours of it being on the platform. So results can come very quickly when the community is aware of what to do and there's enough people involved, they can provide very real uh, actionable things for law enforcement to, to work on. And so I'll get into right now, this is, the, this is method number one of how the community, the town of Peace River or the region can see an impact uh, leveraging the information that's already in the security camera systems that are at the facilities the town of Peace River owns. And I've got a sample ready. Um, Oren, you mentioned that some people might have the app tonight. Um, I do have the app myself. I'm not sure if the rest of council does or not. Okay. Does anybody else have light catch? Okay. What's a free app? Won't cost you anything. It's free to use, free to post. And um, what I've done here is I've prepared a, a test where the eco center at, um, at the town of Peace River is actually a, a user where their security camera systems are able to send an email to an email address we give. And when we get that email, we have an automation process that kicks in that knows where that email came from and processes a post on behalf of the, um, the eco center. And so the idea here is that rather than ask frontline staff to figure all this out on their own on the fly, you can leverage our resources and our automation and then unlock that information that's in security cameras. Um, this is a profound component to crowdsourcing. When we combine video and then we extract images of what to look for, our success rate goes up to like 50% very often. Um, it can't be overstated, you know, how effective the video of the real incident and then actionable photos, you put those together with a clear written uh, description, it gives the public something real to work with. And they, the, the, the steps that they can take to assist law enforcement can be really profound. Just um, there in the, uh, the alert just came through on my phone seconds of you uh, mentioning it. So I have- okay. Thank you. That's great. And um, now I, I did have a demo prepared, but I won't, I won't go into it. If no one else has the app, what I could do right now is view that incident and on my mobile phone here and then pretend that I saw which direction the, the suspect went. Um, it's not a real suspect. All they did was uh, video the sunflowers in front of the eco center. So that's step number one. Um, it's, I think it's a very actionable step. Uh, step number two is provide a, a message of um, deterrence via the app. We come up with another innovation where all the user input is always anonymous. 
it's always um, unknown who put that in. But if they're a, a associated with an organization, we can give that organization recognition that they're contributing. So in this case, this is one of our pilot customers of this program. It's the Beaver Lodge District Real Crime Watch, and they were assisting in the search for a missing person. Uh, it was a missing youth. And so the youth was lost in Grand Prairie, not seen in Grand Prairie. The Beaver Lodge uh, made a note that they were looking in the area of Grand Prairie, or Beaver Lodge rather. And when they did that, their logo, Beaver Lodge District Real Crime Watch, appeared on the app. And um, we'll give them updates at the end of the month, how many times their members contributed and how much of an impact their contributions made in the um, crowdsourcing of results. This could just as easily be the Town of Peace River logo or another crime uh, prevention organization, a volunteer group and give them the recognition on the platform. There's about uh, 500 users in the Peace River area on, on Light Catch. So it, it's, um, we're very pleased with how it's been received in the area. And Oren and Karina Williams at Northern Sunrise County has been a, a real help in, in that regard. Um, and then method number three, crime prevention is a lot like losing weight. I'm almost done here, but you know, you can educate somebody about all the tools and uh, you, they can want to see it happen, but it typically takes a uh, continuous uh, incremental steps to really see results. And so we are able now to provide statistics um, of engagement and end results at a regional level and compare that to who's doing well and who's doing poorly and provide very real actionable uh, data to a, a, a region or a community about steps they can take that will make a, a measurable difference. And um, I think over time, this, this impact will be very profound. Um, and, and then num I won't spend time on it because you see it in the report. You kind of un understand now what, I, what we're trying to, to describe in this. And then number four is just a communication level. We've done this uh, uh, after a lot of consulting with crime prevention organizations and the local uh, city uh, law enforcement, active and retired. But we are a uh, we're, we're, we are a company. So when people can see that there's different levels of uh, administration involved in that and they, and they communicate that this is something that is helping law enforcement, I think it can really drive engagement. And uh, I'll end on, on this note here. Uh, we recently had one of the, the most wanted in Canada arrested after about a 75 minute pursuit um, in Grand Prairie, the, um, the light catch community was the only people that knew what was happening and where and when. Um, and uh, this is the message from the homeowner. The gentleman broke into their Quonset, um, destroyed a garage door, stealing a vehicle. And um, that was his feedback is that he would have loved to have some higher levels of engagement uh, on the platform 
he would have loved to have people warning uh, people in the area before this guy was in the Quonset. And that was entirely actionable. There was actually a break and enter 90 minutes prior to this. And everybody that was in that rural area was completely oblivious that there was any sort of issue. Um, so it was an actionable request that he had. Uh, so this is a little bit about myself and the team that we have as a board of advisors helping steer Light Catch. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm a little bit over. Uh, I'd like to see if is, maybe I'll close there and if there's any questions. Darren, are you able to uh, share some of the results that we've had from the from the local region already, or do you have those stats with you? I, I we we are just um, we are just building out the analytics component. We started in June, so the stats per region is not completed. Um, but what I can say is that, uh, you know, we've, we've seen dozens of alerts over the last nine months. We, we, we see probably, uh, I'm going to say about 500 to 700 users is a guesstimate in the area. And then just over the last two weeks, there was um, a real crime watch who alerted of some repeat offenders in, in the area. And those repeat offenders they did not like the community keeping tabs on them. So they kept moving from campground to campground, trying to escape detection. And over the course of two weeks, they had moved um, five times. Uh, so I, I think that was a very good result because the crime that they had done prior to it being posted, they were suspected of, um, was a lot higher volume than what it was after the community start to started to be more vocal about their location. Uh, is, is that an okay example? Yeah, it is because out of that, uh, I, I know who the individuals you're talking about, but just to allow, let council know, um, through the light catch app, this information was broadcast where the individuals were at a campground in Napa. Um, there was charges laid for stolen property um, um, from my understanding. Um, and then they, that, they basically left that area and uh, camped out at Wenogamy. And then all of a sudden there's thefts at that campground and uh, the alerts went out again. And apparently they moved, moved again. And I'm not sure what location they went to next after that, but it, the app does work. Well, unfortunately they went to Grimshaw and then by the end of the day, they moved to the town of Peace River. And the last two sightings, one was behind the mall, and then the last one was at an apartment complex on Sunday. So if I could ask a question. Yeah. Um, so I'm technologically naive, let's say, especially with respect to apps. So how is this different than what Karina Williams does with Rural Crime Watch and she posts things or stuff like that. Is it the same thing or what is the difference? 
magnitudes uh, uh, of improvement in the the relevancy of the message. And, and what I mean by that is every time you open the app, you get a blue dot that shows where you are relative to, to these um, locations. And the combination of the community being able to provide that in real time, you know, the community cannot recopy all in those emails. So they really can't contribute in real time uh, the way one single email out to 600 members can go. Um, and then the text-based, you know, where is Township Road such and such? Where is Range Road such and such? There'll be a segment of people that know where that is, but there'll be a lot of people that don't know. Uh, but if you show them where it is, and then you tell them you're here, here's where Range Road such and such is, they, they have that aha moment and they can decide. Um, what it is, and 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 I'll I'll give you something if you don't mind. We had a very very active social media group as a test before we did this, and um, social media in some levels is very similar to the the email broadcast that Karina uses because you get that in a group and everybody gets that notice. When I calculate if everybody replied or viewed or just reviewed every single input that was occurring on that group and it was just for Grand Prairie, it would take them 90 minutes a week to go through everything if all they took was one and a half seconds. On our app, we've designed it so that your volunteer only needs five minutes per week on most. So most weeks it's zero, maybe one week it's 10 minutes that's our value to market to the user. And maybe that's more, more than what you asked, but I, I, was, I, I love our, our approach to how do we get community engagement? Okay, and another question. Um, the town was going on some kind of um, app called, was it Voyant? I don't know, it didn't seem to work anyhow. So this is a different concept. This is for crime, whereas the buoyant thing was an emergency flood or something, it, I guess. Chris, that's... That, that's correct. Buoyant alert was for any major emergencies that we have, or Tim wants to talk about it more, but basically it's, it's more of an emergency type, disaster type uh, situation like that. Um, yeah, I, I, and your worship, I do have a couple of questions myself. Uh, I'd like to maybe ask after council's finished. I think it's also maybe instructive to say that Karina Karina's done a fantastic job with the emails, and there's a there's a certain need that won't that the, the, those have a great fit. But also, Karina duplicates everything now on Lightcatch because this is a real-time crowdsourcing component that can generate results. The email is more of an awareness and education piece, and the app is more of a this is how we can work together type of piece. So she's a, she's a really big um, partner with us that we, we really appreciate having her to be able to work with. Uh, at Light Catch. 
So um, if you worship, you don't mind, uh, I have a couple of questions. Uh, first one, I was just wondering, how many employees do you have right now, approximately? Um, right now, it's just myself. We have, um, we, we have development contractors and we have an operational team that is a, uh, uh, specializes in outsourced call center out of Edmonton. Okay. So I'm just wondering, how are you planning for expansion? Because the way that I see it, you need members on this organization to make reports. And if you guys are reviewing each and every one of these reports to make sure, you know, that when you review pictures and everything like that, um, uh, they're legitimate. So it just seems like with one person who's able to, you know, technically employed right now, how are you planning for this expansion? Because in order for it to be really, truly successful, you need to grow rapid and fast and big. Yeah, and, and the scalability from the operations side is a, is a, is a small bottleneck. Um, we have several improvements that we can make even from what we have right now. Um, I timed it just before, just before this event, actually, there was an alert came in about 10 minutes too. And I had, do I take it or do I let the team take it? And I took it and it was, it was under a minute. Um, that's pretty common for, for most input. Uh, so there's, there's, there's lots we can do to scale and conserve resources. But my biggest challenge from a business point of view is actually uh, community engagement and, and the, um, uh, getting this site safe out to market, uh, the operation side, we can scale that, but, um, getting, getting, um, getting that in a repeatable process before we start scaling, that's, that's a little bit more of a challenge for me. I hope that's okay as an answer. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. It's a, uh, see, okay. It's, it's, how do you make money right now then? We haven't we've completely self-funded this to the tune of over three hundred thousand? Okay. So eventually, you're hoping to make money, though. Yeah, we've started to see some very small traction with this product. It's seventy-five dollars a year per site, mm -hmm. and it, it it really is empowering to homeowners uh, to get that information out. But we're just starting to learn how to to communicate to the community about it. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Well, that that's basically. Uh, you know what I've kind of like looked at. I just see it's uh, personally it's it's a good program and, and and everything like that. And I like a lot of the things that are in it. Um, I see some difficulties if you're trying to expand throughout the entire province. And and I'm going to assume you're eventually going to want to expand throughout you know Canada, if not other locations. Oh, we oh. are already in Western Canada. Um, we have pockets where we have five or ten percent of the population involved. Yeah. Um, Central Alberta is really strong for us, Central BC. And the, um, the thing that I had avoided pretty aggressively is going into major centers um, because I didn't have the app at a maturity level that I needed it to be at. We just got there in May or June where we have uh, you know, really a, a pretty good experience with the users. So now I'm, now I'm much happier going into bigger centers. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Just so that council's aware, uh, Karina and I had the uh, the uh, little crime prevention conference last year, and uh, Darren came up and uh, 
and presented the app at that crime prevention conference. We had approximately about 100 people there, but it was really, really well uh, received. And the, uh, the demonstration um, actually worked quite well uh, when Darren did the, uh, the test demonstration for the people that were at that conference. Thank you, Oren. And Councillor, Mayor, team, um, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to working with you, if, if at all possible. stop my share. Hope everyone has a good evening. Have a good evening. Thanks very much, Darren. Thank you. Do you want a motion to accept that for information? Uh, Council Chambers on mute. So Tom, you might be on mute. I'm trying without success to unmute him. I believe that- Are you no longer on the reading or what? Oh, must be picking up something. Would you like to try that again, sir? Hmm. Byron, can you unmute yourself or not? I can, but then we get feedback. I think you want to unmute Tom Tarpey and mute uh, okay, I'm on my way up. Yeah. Uh, the Tom Tarpey setting doesn't have a, isn't showing a microphone. It has no audio. So okay. Director McQuaig is going to. Uh... Hello? Can Hello. people hear me? Oh, we can, we, yes, now we can hear you, sir. Oh, that one did. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Would you like a motion to accept for information? Sure. That last presentation, you mean? That's correct. So moved. Sure. All in favor? I think we solved it now. Although the, oh yeah, there we are. Okay. So um, are we, who's dealing with the Preda fee proposal? Oh, I, I'll be dealing with that. Okay. Okay. Well, you're on deck. Thank you very I'm much. Actually, up in the batter's box. <laughs> there we go. Well, thank you very much, uh, Council. Uh, before you is uh, a package from uh, Preda asking uh, some feedback for the proposed changes. Uh, basically, what happened is over the uh, past year, the provincial government has decided that they will be cutting back um, fundings for these. Um, Economic development, uh, regional economic development organizations. And so um, they normally get $100,000 uh, from the provincial government, and they just uh, said they would be cutting back uh, by 50000 for the 2021 20, year. So Preda has uh, wanted to see how they could actually uh, maybe decrease the, the, uh, the bleed. And so they've uh, come on out and they wanted some information from uh, 
our councils uh, that are part of the organizations to see, um, you know, would they be willing to pay uh, more money? So traditionally, the uh, a, a technique that they've been using is they've been uh, attributing it to uh, just straight capita, so 50 cents per capita. And so uh, what they wanted to do is uh, they proposed, excuse me, uh, proposed to raise it to 75 cents per capita. And that would raise about another $18,000 in additional funding. Um, so basically the resolution is uh, going out uh, and ask uh, your councils if you're fine with this. And uh, if not, uh, bring back the results back to the next PREDA meeting. Um, so uh, basically uh, under the discussion, uh, we do use PREDA. Um, we probably haven't used them as effectively as we could have. Um, or vice versa, have they reached out uh, uh, to us uh, to see what they can do? So there's a combination, you know, us and them. Um, however, uh, one of the problems is, is when you take a look at the funding form they're currently using, it uh, atypically is, uh, puts more burden on municipalities that are more urban as opposed to rural. It doesn't really reflect to the ability to pay, um, which is an interesting, uh, you know, issue. So um, administration has looked at this. Uh, we've looked at, uh, okay, uh, their formula base that they brought forward uh, um, is uh, again, coming back to just doing the traditional technique of just doing specifically a capital base. And uh, uh, we're suggesting that uh, they really should take a look at a different funding formula since this will be a new uh, change for them. And it's been radical that their, their, their provincial funding got cut back. They should look at maybe looking at the whole program funding itself. And so we've uh, suggested maybe they should look at a base rate and part of a funding formula or consider other elements into the funding formula, such as assessment or total budget or ties to ability to pay, uh, possibly consider a menu approach uh, um, of the services. So for example, uh, they'll provide this service, this service, this service, you pay a very small base fee, and then if you want these extra services, you can pop into it. Or maybe a possibility of just a, a, a complete bend, uh, a, a blend of the above uh, concepts there. We do have three options. That is before council. Uh, that's to agree with the concept of the proposal uh, and inform PREDA of its approval. Option two is uh, that council requests PREDA consider additional funding options instead of a singular per capita option and present uh, and, and uh, to be presented on uh, that. Or basically council declines to endorse the per capita funding increase to 75 cents. Um, and that's uh, the three options that we have before. Administration is recommending approximately uh, uh, option two uh, that council requests uh, PREA to consider additional funding options. Now, one of the things uh, I was looking at the uh, uh, annual general uh, statements that they have there and when you take a look at their overall fees their their fees from either from membership fees or from uh, the provincial government or from project fees adds up to about three hundred and thirty thousand dollars by increasing their revenue to from 50 to 75 cents they only uh, increase about eighteen thousand dollars than what they're currently at so they'd still be they're basically losing uh, you know, uh, approximately $32,000 or about 10% of their current or the budget from last year. 
So um, they have explained how they would continue to operate with a 10% uh, decrease in their budget. So with that, I'll leave it to council. I'll ask any or answer any questions that, uh, that come forward and go from, from there. How much did you say they have in reserves? Um, they have, well, according to last year, they said they had $44,000 in uh, net uh, income. So they, they had a, a, a total budget of $330,000. They spent $286,000. So they have about $44,000 in, in, in uh, what they call net income. And how much of that $286,000 did they spend on us? Oh, did, um, all right uh, to okay. say. <laughs> um, part of that 44,000 is also uh, money that they did not spend that NTAB um, gave them. Uh, Prita runs the NTAB books. And um, so there's money from that that's part of that 44,000 that goes to NTAB. Um, the other thing that's in there to make the What's MTAB? Uh, Northern Transportation Advocacy Bureau, the one that's trying to get the rail uh, transportation from Fort Mac over to um, Alaska. It's part of that one. Um, also in both the revenue and it's an in-out thing is the um, uh, Le Cardinal um, Group they manage their funds through this Preda. So the 69,000 or so, it's an in out for that one as well. The other thing that Preda does for some that pay even extra, uh, 30 cents per capita. If you're part of that, then um, Preda looks at some municipal projects that uh, I don't think Peace River has taken advantage of. I thought maybe at one year they were looking at something for the trail for the ski hill, but I don't think that um, worked out for our purposes. So other than that, um, I can tell you that the executive did look at other uh, proposals, uh, none of which involved assessment. Uh, some of the other proposals looked at um, minimum um, uh, payments from uh, villages and stuff like that. So, you know, if they all had to pay $1,000 rather than 200 here or 500 here, that would bring in extra income. Preta this year um, cut back on what it could. So it uh, has a budget to finish this year's uh, 29 or 20. 20, 2021, but it's the 2021 from there on that um, will have to have major changes if they don't receive different funding. What, what, what do you mean by that, Deputy Mayor? Um, well, they, the, they won't get any grants whatsoever from the provincial government? Provincial government, as um, the CAO mentioned, um, Okay, back in 2012, it's my understanding that uh, this Preta got about 500,000. And then in 2012, they cut that to 100,000. And it's been about that for the remaining years. 
And this year, they, the provincial government cut that particular operating grant to 50,000. So um, they probably get 50,000 next year, I'm guessing, but uh, that doesn't do much. So why do you think they're good 50,000 next year? I'm just hoping. Because I can tell you that when I was on Preda, Ted Morton's, uh, was it Ted uh, Mortensen? Who was the finance minister at the time? He, uh, I think he's the one that reduced them from 500 down to, to 100,000. And uh, I think that he actually wanted to go further. Um, Elaine Garrow and company kicked up a stink. They got a hundred thousand, but uh, you knew if the conservatives were going to get back in, that it would have gone down to zero with Ted Mortensen there. Yeah. And uh, I think we're just going to be playing this game again. So, uh, yeah, you might you may very well get fifty thousand next year, but I don't think you're going to get any money after that. I think yeah. this the Pritas are on the chopping block and. Uh, They'll be coming back to us asking us for more and more and more money. Well, and the other other thing is that um, Prita has a fairly big geographic area, and the government just said, um, "Here, you eleven or so uh, EDAs. Um, here's fifty thousand each." It made no uh, reference to the size of the geography or anything um, with respect to these. So. You could well be right that they're on the chopping block. And uh, so how much, uh, uh, what, what is the, where did the overhead uh, salaries go, Mr. Parker on uh, Frida? You have that information? Uh, well, what I have is I have for contracted services, administrative services, I have $48,000. I have uh, the uh, annual uh, financial review, so that probably their auditors at 2,800. Executive director uh, is 30,000. Monthly bookkeeping is about $300 a month. Monthly website maintenance is approximately uh, $300 a month. And website platform is about $100 a month. So $30,000 for the executive director. What about secretarial services? Uh, well, administrative services is 48,000. Okay. And uh, does that include like Cardinal's country? Uh, or is like Cardinal uh, separate and above that? Black Cardinal is a totally separate organization, I believe. And uh, Northern uh, transportation would then be, uh, they would have an executive and administrative component in there too, right? I don't believe so. I believe that that, that okay. is handled by this completely. It's just that it's a separate fund, the Northern Tra Transportation. Uh, um, it just says Northern Transportation expenses is 27,000. So I don't know what that, it, it's, doesn't say so, anything about that. So how much do we uh, pay these guys right now? We pay, a pro we only participate in two of the three um, 
uh, elements that they uh, deal with. Okay. We, we pay the general membership fee. Okay. And then we also pay um, the municipal project fee. So between the two, it's around $5,000. And we got out of the uh, Northern Transportation um, process, uh, I think two years ago. So we would only save $5,000 if we pulled out. That's correct. But well, actually, if we agree to the 75 uh, cent uh, increase or the 25 cent increase, um, it would be $7,000 because we will go from about 3,400 to just over $5,000. And then we also pay, like I said, approximately uh, 2,000 for the um, special projects. So in the Chris Parker vision of budget 2021, uh, was Preda a line item? I believe everything is line up, Your Worship, but again, that comes to council. Did he say everything's a line item? <laughs> he, he, he was a politician before I did. Yeah. So are we gonna get a straightforward answer or what? So, uh, thank you. I, I uh, everything is up to council. I mean, like everything is honest to God. Uh, I mean, like Warren? if council wants a four, uh, a complete report of, of some of the things that um, are benefits and um, uh, features of, of, of each organizer, we'd be more than happy to uh, deal with that. Um, but really everything is, it, it's up to council whether they would like it or not uh, to keep moving forward with it. Mr. Ford. If I'm wrong, your worship, but didn't we have a discussion about Creta within the last year and uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer was possibly gonna go to one of their meetings and talk about uh, the town in that group and where are we at with that or what happened with it? That was, that was my relax recollection from uh, one of the, one of the meetings we had quite a while ago. Uh, there, we talk about these people every year. If you marry, you want to answer that one? I didn't. Uh... Um, so uh, Councillor Ford, so I'm the Preta rep and um, Preta has an, uh, an executive of six people. And one of those six people has to be from a town. So I was elected from a town. So I attend PREDA meetings on both the membership side and the executive part. And yes, the membership um, fees have uh, been discussed a time or two. Uh, the last meeting, I went back and suggested that the town uh, would like something else, maybe something in terms of assessment. Uh, we had a, quite a meeting. And uh, this is the result of that meeting with the uh, executive asking for further input from uh, municipalities. Oh, so they, uh, they weren't very receptive to your idea of assessment being part of the uh, fee structure? I would say you could say that. Yes, indeed. Yeah, uh, so Mr. Mr. Scamhorn has a has a question for you, Deputy Mayor. I, I believe uh, Mr. Needham has the next question. Well, I I've been waiting, but not as long as Don Good's been waiting. So I I would uh, bow to Don. I think he was up before uh, 
or even Orrin. So Mr. Good, uh, I'll put on my mayor's hat. I think you're up, then I'll speak. I'll make it really quick. Um, this aversion to using assessment, this is Peace Region Economic Development. Not, it's not personal development, it's economic development. Economic development includes the things that drive the economy of, North, of, the North, of this region. What drives the economy of this region to some extent is retail, to some extent is oil and gas, to some extent is lumber, and that's assessment. It's not people. So I think assessment has to be part of it. And I think we have to say that our, I would like to say that we make our, our participation conditional upon it and that we're quite willing, I would be, and I'm talking personally, I'd be quite willing to support going after uh, the non-residential assessment, which is effectively small business, if you want to put a really easy definition to it, plus linear assessment, plus machinery and equipment, because that's economic development. So we would put our retail stuff, our, our businesses on the line and, and, and put the assessment in for that. But also, why isn't it not hitting, I don't know, let's put some of the big players that are up here. Why, are, why is that, that assessment not being counted? They get a lot of free ride off of people when it's economic development. And you can argue that the economics provide services, but the services also provide everything that the economic groups need to survive. So I'll leave it at that. I wouldn't be sad. I'm not satisfied with something that doesn't include a really hefty assessment component on at least the non-residential and your uh, the regular what I used to call the uh, the CLIA, the combined linear uh, combined linear or low expense low expense assessment. That's enough. So, Deputy Mayor, you uh, well, I guess the. Uh, we were asking if you went back and put assessment back on the table, you probably, do you, what, do you think there'll be, uh, it'll be the same response back, right? I would say there's a good chance. Uh, County of Grand Prairie is amongst um, this group and um, it pays quite a lot into the group already. And it might be looking for a maximum amount that it would pay no matter how it's calculated. So yes, Mr. Mayor, I would say it would be um, surprising if the groups went that way. But I can tell you in the discussion, there were some supporters of assessment. It wasn't total 100% no, but as you can guess, the supporters wanted I guess more details than perhaps Councillor Good's ideas would be more details. Okay, Mr. Needham. You know, if 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 the counties, if if there was any buy-in at all, and, and having sat through all sorts of ICF meetings, there there's no buy-in. I, I I think Don has got a solid argument, but the county Grand Prairie isn't going to buy it. Uh, I, I made my mind up on this six months ago, uh, like I'm ready to vote. I, I look at the 30 municipalities that are on that list, 30, and you look at the amount of moose pasture between Fox Creek, Grand Prairie, Peach River, I don't know how the hell one man and one admin person can speak to the priorities of 30 municipality and actually accomplish much of anything. It's, it's, a, it's a secretarial service and a paper pushing exercise. Like 
what what viable project would those 30 municipalities ever envision that Prita could an advocate for? Now the rail line was mentioned. I don't know, is Fox Creek interested in a rail line? I maybe they are, but I just don't see it. Uh, you look at our local economic development officers at Northern Sunrise and La Cardinal. I mean, they're geographically focused. Uh, I, it's it's it, it's a mountain or it's a bridge too far. Uh, I uh, so what option are you going to vote for then? I'm voting to bail. I think yeah, it's option I, I, option I, I, three. Mr. Parker, did you put uh, did you put that option on the table for us? Yes, I. I, yes, that is, uh, we just declined. We declined uh, basically, uh, I think that was option three. So we, uh, we, we don't go back and we just, we just, we just tell I, them I think we don't want to be part of it anymore. I, I don't want to be part of it at 50 cents, let alone 75 cents. So I, I'm not, I'm not. Downing. Your worship. Uh, I appreciate the presentation here tonight by Mr. Parker and the comments that have gone on. Uh, I, I agree with what Don is saying. I'm, <clears throat> I find per capita funding lazy for the lack of a better term. Um, I think that there's room for us to be, for Preda to be uh, a little bit more creative when it comes to their membership fees. Um, I'm not I'm not at the same place as Mr. Needham is, although he makes some very valid points. It's a very large region with which to try to develop projects, but the idea might not be that every project fits the whole region. It's that it's easy for us to, or, or maybe there's room for us to be supportive of projects that might be supporting Fox Creek, even if they're not supporting Peace River. So that that might be the philosophy in which they're working from. Um, I per personally, as as Preta and many other organizations in Alberta are, are having to look again at how they're making do with less money. Um, I think it would be appropriate for us to look at option two and ask them to go back to the table again and say, this doesn't work for us. Uh, Mr. Good. I, I think that their question, it says here the issue that they are asking for member feedback. So let's give them the feedback. Okay. And the feedback is if it's going to be population, very likely we're not going to accept it. The others have drawn a line and said, we're not going to accept it on assessment base. So what's the difference? They say, well, we're not going to accept assessment. Okay, we don't accept population. Make up your mind. We're either important enough to have their to give us something, or we're not. It's their call. I mean, they, well, so I guess what they, Mr. They Needham's it. point is: Are we going to continue to dance, dance <laughs> for another year? Or are we just going to? Uh... Well, if they were smart and they went ahead and did an assessment-based thing, they probably wouldn't have to worry about the eighteen thousand dollars. They could have a very minimal chunk of the original assessment, as as Colin said. As Councillor Needham said, there's an, a lot of assessment that's covered by that base that they're looking at. If they went even for a tiny, tiny, tiny chunk of that assess, assessment, get away from population, they could have a ton of money, way more money than they're looking at right now, at a number that would probably have a lot of zeros in the front of it. Right. So let's say, uh, let's say they go for that. How much of that money is going to come to us? 
I would think minimal. We don't have a we have eighty five percent of our assessment is 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 non residential. So I guess my my question. Oh, you mean how much of it is it going to come to us? Yes. We're a member in good standing, like all the rest. And if they don't give us anything, then we have a reason to walk. It's even better. And I guess that was one of my first questions. Uh, how are how are we benefited in the last eight um, years? Yeah, I, if, Mr. Mayor, um, I guess one of the things Preta does do, it does do some research into um, things like what commodities are going in and out of this area. And um, some have taken them up on aspects of that research. Um, Grimshaw, for instance, was trying to get an oat processing plant and the uh, people that they had interested were looking at Grimshaw and someplace further south in Alberta. So one of the thoughts was to get the uh, documentation translated into the, um, the language of the people that were interested. So Preta paid for at least part of that. So things like that have happened, but we sometimes have to have a, uh, an ask as well, so. So who's going to make up? <clears throat> so you need a decision today, Ms. Manzer? Yes, please. Uh, there's a phone-in meeting on Friday to have a little chat about this. Plus, I think they wanted each municipality to actually respond to the so request. Ms. Downing wants to make a motion. Thank you, Your Worship. I would like to make a motion that we accept uh, administration's recommendation of option two that council requests Preta to consider additional funding options instead of the singular per capita option to be to be presented to the Preta members to vote on. Okay. All in favor of option two? Uh, okay, one, two, three, four. Uh, did I lose Don Good here? Okay. Yeah, we could. Uh, well, we'll ask him if he wants option. Uh, uh, so uh, who's not in favor of option two? Aren't, okay. So I guess it would, even if Don Good voted with him, he'd still be 4-3, I guess. Eh? Yeah. Okay. Um, I anticipated it going this way, so uh, they said no to you last time, uh, Ms. Manzer. You're going to give them a second chance and we'll go from there, I guess. Eh? And okay. uh, if they say no way, I guess we will <laughs> rehash this agenda item. Will you be putting that under old business or new business if we come back, Mr. Park? It, it, it will be uh, old business there. Okay. Um, that takes us to, oh, we, we, we should have given, let Dan go first so that he could go out and cut his grass. Um, there's a request for decision on the Peace River Museum archives of Mackenzie Center vision, uh, regarding the vision and mandates policy. Uh, Daniel? Uh, yes, um, 
Mr. Mayor, Council, uh, it is a uh, policy that we are sending in for our uh, institutional membership uh, renewal with the Archive Society of Alberta. Uh, about every five years, we have to uh, reapply um, for our uh, renewal with the membership. So with this one, all we really had was some spelling and grammatical errors that needed to be corrected. Uh, and we've passed through the museum board already. And I guess our first option would be to pass it and then we can include it with our package to the uh, uh, Archive Society of Alberta for our membership or the second option would not to pass it and then we would have to rethink uh, about our uh, membership with the ASA. We suggest that, of course, it be passed. Okay, so what is your vision? Um, <laughs> by the document, uh, our vision is uh, rivers of challenge, bridges of unity, where past and present are linked. And Okay, it's poetic. Uh, how does it? Uh... The mission probably gives you a little more. So it, the mission is the uh, Peace River Museum Archives and Mackenzie Center is a well-integrated community resource that promotes awareness of past and present life in the Peace River area through public access and community engagement with our collections and resources. So the vision is supposed to tell me where you're headed. Uh, it reflects the mindfulness of the future direction chartered by the uh, Peace River Museum uh, Archives and Mackenzie Center. So I believe that was the original vision that was set up with the museum uh, when it first put in its policies. Oh, so this, uh, this is this is just uh, the same vision as before? Yes. The only thing, as I said, has changed in this policy is we went through and corrected some grammatical errors and some spelling mistakes. Yeah. Uh, everything else is the same. Okay. Uh, any questions of Daniel? None whatsoever? Okay. Well, I think we'll uh, get Mr. Stewart on his way and uh, I'm going to make a motion that council adopt the proposed updated Peace River Museum Archives McKenzie Center vision, mission and mandates policy as presented. Okay, all in favor? Done. Uh, so that just takes us to reports. Uh, we have the Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance membership and annual general meeting. Deputy Mayor, you want to speak to that? Um, yes, the uh, annual general meeting was moved to August 13th um, this year. It's going to be at the Saw Ridge from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. And um, there are uh, membership forms enclosed within our uh, documents. So if you would like to attend the meeting and vote on anything, it would be good if you could fill it in. However, one of the aspects is um, uh, member, um, the director's terms. Some of them are um, up 
the two-year term is uh, done. So I was the small urban uh, representative for um, the past two years and have been for about the past six years. So um, Vern Lin Limberger, who is the mayor of Valley View, was my alternate. And um, I would like to step away. And I did ask Vern if he would be willing to step into the directorship or at least be nominated so that uh, his name could go forward and, and he would be interested. And at the same time, um, I talked to Councillor Downing, who had expressed an interest in um, watershed uh, goings on. And uh, she uh, has indicated that um, if Vern would ask her that she might be interested in becoming the alternate. So my question to Council is, um, would they uh, support um, uh, first of all, Vern Limberger as being the small urban uh, representative. And secondly, if he was to ask uh, Ms. Downing to be his alternate, which is the way it works, um, would council support her uh, becoming the alternate? Yeah, to do that, you actually have to show up and vote out, right? Um, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, good plan. And uh... So the Mighty Peace Watershed, they have, they, they're actually, they seem to have the annual general meeting every uh, second year here in Peace River, right? Well, actually every year it's that I've been on it, it's been in Peace River. Oh. It's usually the last Friday of May, but COVID kind of changed the plan yeah. this year. So we have other- positive. So why they used to try and uh, they've had it sometimes in Grand Prairie. So okay. do they, uh, so they're just, it, we're just more central? It's because Grand Prairie has a creek yeah. and we have a river. <laughs> um, well, Grand Prairie's in the Wapiti watershed, which leads into the piece. So uh, they're part of the whole uh, third of Alberta that the watershed incorporates. But um, we have meetings all over the watershed, but really Grand Prairie, um, Valley View, McLennan, Peace River, Fairview, um, high level, we've tried there. That sort of thing is where regular meetings happen. Uh -huh. So they usually take a full day. We have tried some uh, by video during COVID and, you know, mixed results per usual. <laughs> right. But uh, they, they do come here on a pretty regular basis. So they yes. Do, uh, yeah, that's kind of nice. Okay. Um, yeah, good. Um, well, I'm supportive of uh, Ms. Downing being on this committee. And so you're going to step away completely then? Um, likely. I'm also the treasurer right now, but I think another director could probably do that too. So, okay. mm -hmm. so I, I could mm -hmm. put forth a motion perhaps. Okay. That, uh, I have a question. Okay. I don't mean to interrupt, but is the now what's to my support here? If I support this, do is this like clicking like on Facebook? I can just say, yeah, it's it's really easy. Or is it, do I have to show up somewhere and actually vote? Or no, you know, like, no. What would happen is, uh, well, you could turn up on August thirteenth at the AGM and uh, fill out a membership form prior to, and then you could vote at the meeting. And you would be voting for uh, 
any of the directors that who have terms that are up and it's about half the directors. So my vote, for instance, would probably go to Mr. Lindberger from Valley View. And then at some future meeting, Mr. Lindberger, if he gets elected, would tell the watershed executive that Ms. Downing is his alternate. And she becomes the alternate if she agrees at that time and her council agrees. It is actually good to go because you you could very well have a whole crew from high level come down here and stack the uh, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, the membership doesn't cost you any money. It's just yep. filling it out. Uh, you show up that day. You can actually fill it out in the morning. And then well, they would to, really uh, encourage you to fill it out ahead of time because, um, and you also fill out a registration for the AGM because they're concerned about COVID and uh, number of people. They need to make sure that things are going to truly work that way. Yeah. Physically distancing, etc. It will be more exciting than the <laughs> religious affair one. <laughs> I went once. Does the does the AGM provide an opportunity to uh, create a work plan for the executive director and the staff, or is this sort of an administration? It's sort of an administration. Uh, work plan usually, well, does happen with the directors at uh, their meetings. They do a work plan, well, for the year and then. So if we, get J if we get JD on board, we can make sure that Pops Creek makes it on their short list and somebody, somebody's actually looking at this as opposed to just talking about it. Is that a well, possibility? Yeah. Yeah, um, Peace River could bring forth to the um, watershed that they would like opportunity for the watershed to work on whatever Pat's Creek. There's uh, no yeah, money I, necessarily for it, but they could. I, yeah, I, I don't know what needs to be worked on. Uh, all I know is we don't need any more floods and I see Jim's online. So he, he's likely got specific stuff, but I... I guess question asked and answered. So yeah, I, I guess uh, if we can participate, great, but I'd go a little further and say, yeah, we, we need to talk about some of the water problems we've got in town. So if that's an opportunity, then we should be doing it. They usually don't get into that kind of detail though. Um, um, they, they've done, uh, one of the major projects was over at uh, Beaver Lodge, some Red Willow project and uh, they actually worked on, um, I don't know, if Red Willow River or what it is over there. But anyways, on uh, doing something with uh, an old, um, what do you call it, lift kind of thing for fish. And anyways, it was a very big deal. A fish ladder. Fish ladder. Okay. And uh, other things they've done, uh, farmers fields, uh, some of the water that runs in straight courses. They've had projects where they've tried to cause it to meander, to slow the water down, to slow the, uh, you know, soil erosion, etc. Stuff like that. Um, they have looked uh, over at the um, Wabasca area and we're dealing with groups of people over there on um, source water protection. Grimshaw Aquifer is a big partner and uh, they've had several years of projects there. Uh, our Peace River Bridge, um, 
the way the government works with water now, um, about $500,000 was given to the watershed to work on projects um, because the bridge was uh, on water. And so uh, that money was uh, well spent on various uh, projects that could be talked about at the AGM if you would come. <laughs> okay, I've got a really good idea, team. Are Go ahead. You, are you ready? Yep. Okay, so we're gonna stack the directors. So I see there a two-year term is up for a research and education director. So as a science teacher, why don't you guys nominate me for that position? Okay. And then we'll all show up on uh, <laughs> August 13th and we'll make it happen. Sure. And you will turn up at full day meetings here, there and everywhere. Full day meetings. Yeah. Ooh, or maybe be, we could make- Could be a problem. They don't suppose they're on weekends. No, they are. Mm. Okay. So we, we could we could make Ms. Downing the director of research and development, and then you could just feed her your ideas. Hmm? Thanks for the offer, Your Worship, but no thanks. Oh. Appreciate that though. Yeah. Any, I mean, anybody that's gosh. got a cabin on the Smoky River, you're you're a natural for this sort of work. I <laughs> I, I, I don't know why the hesitation. For somebody with a boat, that's in there too. <laughs> yeah. I Mayor, do. Uh, sorry, Miss Downey. I was just going to say I I'm in support of the plan that uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer has proposed. I think it's appropriate for the now um, alternate to step up into the position on board and a new alternate to be. Uh, you know, developed appointed at times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Mr. Mayor, I would make I would move that um, Councillor Downing um, be supported as an alternate to the director of Small Urbans on the Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance um, when she's asked in the future. Okay, all in favor. Uh, unanimous approval. Your Worship, you. do we need to approve for people to attend this uh, AGM? Is that you could make a motion for? Uh, you could make a motion to. What is it? What is it, Mr. Parker? Uh, cover expenses or for attendees to the Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance AGM? Is that? Oh, we actually actually have it in our uh, budget, so technically it's already covered. But if you want to, you know, specifically say we want so many counselors to go or so many members to go, you could do that also. But basically, that's how we cover it is under our training and uh, uh, fees for counselors. Maybe somebody should just, uh, Ms. Downing, maybe you could make that motion to uh, to permit uh, enable council to attend the uh, the AGM for the Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance. I'd like to make that motion, Your Worship. Okay, all in favor. So please uh, register. You need to get it in by August 6th and please fill out a membership form. <laughs> okay. Uh, you might want to send out a reminder email. Uh, RCMP community engagement. Uh, thank you. This is just a piece of information. Uh, this uh, RCMP normally has uh, public meetings with the obviously the public, but with COVID, uh, just to get back uh, feedback on what they're doing, what's good, what isn't good, uh, how, how they can uh, deal with things. 
Um, so because of the, the COVID, they have now asked if um, basically people could just respond via email. Um, this brochure is on our website under our news and they had asked us to put it up there and keep it up until um, the time frame is up there. So it's just more for information there, Your Worship. Okay. So um, I see that he's asking for the top 10 issues. Usually he just asks for the top three. Yeah, for, for what it is, is when we do our reports, uh, it's uh -huh. the top three. But what this does, this helps them to just determine, you know, what the, the general population is looking for and what type of issues that they're looking at. Okay, um, we'll accept that for information when we get to that. So the next item was briefing note from Northern Alberta elected leaders regarding caribou range, caribou range planning. So that would again be the deputy mayor who attended that meeting, so. So um, this uh, was from a presentation at the um, NAEL meeting and uh, as you may be aware, there's a whole thing with the federal government and provincial government about species at risk, in particular in our area or areas close by the caribou. And so there is a consultation that um, is happening by this Nichols Applied Management uh, Group. And um, they apparently are approaching uh, municipalities to ask for their feedback. And according to the presentation we had from um, uh, NAEL, there is some concern by some municipalities that the baseline data should start, say, way back at 2012 when, I don't know, if forestries changed some planning there, oil and gas change planning, whoever was using um, uh, the caribou ranges um, change some of their planning techniques. So they're basically saying that if you go back to 2012, that's a better baseline than say starting in 2019 after a bunch of changes has already gone on. And um, municipalities, some of them are quite concerned um, that this um, caribou species at risk um, program is what they say is they're going to sterilize the environment or something like that to um, uh, indus industrial use. Um, maybe that's not a good word, but anyways, they're concerned that um, the quite high percentage that the federal government is looking for is going to be uh, too high not to impact some of the operations, agriculture, forestry, et cetera, et cetera. So it's an important um, um, process and important that if you're asked to participate that somebody does so. And uh, Marianne Chichak uh, is one of the AUMA reps on this um, special committee and there is an RMA rep as well. Yes. So if the town gets a phone call saying, what do you think about this caribou plan, et cetera, et cetera, we might uh, be advised to phone Marianne Chichak in White Court before replying. Yeah. So that's kind of the little I know on that plan. Okay. I believe the phrase they used was economically sterilize large portions of many of our rural municipalities. 
just uh, as an aside, uh, Terry County Northern Lights will, will be joining us tomorrow, I presume. If anybody wants to chat with him, he, he was the uh, leader of a group out of the Mackenzie County. So he was, I know he actually did a couple of trips to Ottawa uh, and uh, was quite an advocate for making sure that uh, what's being talked about doesn't happen. So uh, anyway, if people want a, an update, certainly uh, uh, Marianne Chichak is somebody to talk to, but if Gary's around tomorrow and if you're looking for something to talk about, I'm, I'm sure Terry will give you the, the Manning perspective and the update. So a motion to accept uh, the RCMP community engagement report and the briefing note from the Alberta elected leaders uh, 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 on caribou range planning. So someone make that motion. Mr. Needham, all in favor? There is uh, under information the AUMA Police Advisory Board uh, letter or at least some kind of uh, some sort of piece of paper um is are you going to speak to this mr parker or is it of any relevance to us it, it's just information it's just basically saying hey we've got this committee it's an interim board uh we're going to be planning a new board sometime in the future um, basically that's it. Um, I know Councillor Ford has been involved in, uh, uh, talking on this. Uh, he might want to add one or two extra things. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, we put it on for information at this particular moment. Yeah, this, this letter is actually pretty straightforward. So, uh, when the, when the letters first came out from Barry Morshida, um, there was three people on the, uh, interim appointed board and, uh, they just appointed the rest of the board to do up the mandate and everything. And then uh, once things get rolling, they will, uh, AUMA will have this, if I'm correct in saying, and I'm sure Ms. McQuaid can answer this, is that there will be a nomination process through AUMA. Yes, that's the information that we've received is that this is a, the overall uh, board is a new function. So the province has worked with AUMA and RMA and some other agencies to set up a, an interim board to set the structure and the terms of reference for the more permanent board. And once that is done, then they are going to put out a call for nominations to uh, communities and uh, elected leaders to uh, request uh, to, for seats on that board. So uh, uh, your friends on this police advisory board, Mr. Ford, are they, uh, are they all behind uh, the light catch program? Perhaps we could uh, adopt the light, use crowdsourcing and just get rid of the, uh, get rid of our RCMP cost salary. Well, I actually had a, a great conversation with uh, Mr. Morshido over the phone in regards to uh, crime prevention and and tackling the crime prevention in our area regionally and he was uh, quite uh, quite impressed of how uh, our communities are working together with that so I'm, I'm hoping to have further conversation with him but I did talk about the light catch app with him too okay so uh, 
a motion to accept uh, the AUME Police Advisory Board uh, notice for information. All in favor? Uh, any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Okay. Um, well, there's no public in this room. Are there, is there, uh, uh, Ms. McQuaig, have you got any, uh, anything from the public on the uh, YouTube portal? I have received no comments, Your Worship, and we have had intermittently a single viewer. Okay, very good. Um, so, uh, what what are the key communication items out of this? Um, really, about uh, well, Darren Boyer uh, from Lightcatch, uh, which is essentially a crowdsourcing uh, police inf police force, uh, made a presentation. A, uh, the PREDA fee proposal was discussed and, uh, and council asked their representative on PREDA, Deputy Mayor Mazur, to uh, go back and, uh, and ask, ask that um, PREDA and members adopt a different fee fee structure than, than the one uh, that's currently based on per capita alone. And um, the Peace River Museum and Archives uh, essentially renewed their mission, and, their mission, vision, and mandates. And uh, the big item is that uh, the Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance will hold their AGM When's the date? August 13th, 1 p.m. Saw Ridge. August 13th at the uh, Saw Ridge in uh, um, location. Um, 1 p.m. And um, everyone is welcome. Uh, we do, it, it would be appreciated if you could go to the Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance website and pre-register. I believe that, uh, is there going to be a meal this time around? There won't be a meal this time around. I think coffee kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, so if you're looking for breakfast, this is a good opportunity. Not even breakfast. Okay. Starts at 1 p.m. <laughs> okay. And uh, the RCMP is asking for uh, public input as to the top 10 issues. And uh, that is, um, is there a website people can go to to fill out their top 10 issues? That's, uh, that's already on our website. It's on the banner right now. Yeah, it's on our banner and it's, it's, stream, just it's streaming email. right now. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that's pretty well the highlights. Okay. Um, Motion to adjourn the meeting there. Uh, Mr. Scamahorn, all in favor? Aye. 